0: Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman. With me this week is Joe Lupton. Hey, hey Joe. Bruce. How you doing? Doing okay. A little uh-huh. jet lag, but okay. At least you got home. I did get home. So let's let's kind of take this week in turn. Uh, we had important US data, particularly the inflation news, and then we had important China data. Obviously, we're tracking the world from the perspective of downside risk here on growth and upside risk on how much central bank tightening we get, particularly from the Fed. So let's start with the U.S. Uh, that was a blockbuster inflation report. Um, so what what meaning do we take from it?
1: <laughs> uh, that we're not we're not past the peak of it yet there, are we? So we, got high,
0: we have high inflation. <laughs>
1: um, no, I mean, it's it's pretty remarkable, right? Because we got the May report, and I think it was like 0.63 month-on-month on, month on the core reading there, if we can just stick with core, although headline matters just as much for the consumer. I don't want to forget that. But um, you know, the 0.63 in May was certainly uh, a, a concern, caught the Fed's attention, and thought that things were going to moderate. A uh, couple tenths, and I actually think they went up a little bit. I think we ended up at something like point seven, point seven one, or something on the monthly yeah. Yeah. core. 0.7. I don't
0: know. I don't know to the hundredth. Stop Come on, they at, don't matter looking at, some at point. hundreds.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think the over year ago probably stuck around six uh, percent um, on core, but headline kind of running close to ten percent. Um, those are, I mean, yeah, it's just it just continues, and the purchasing power squeeze is is gonna hit consumers. It's it's not only raising our concerns about the near term growth, but it clearly keeps the Fed. Geared towards, uh, you know, normalization here. I I started the week telling a story that, you know, that you know the two things that Powell had suggested led them to do 75 instead of 50 were the May CPI report, which was quite strong, as I just said, and the the uh, Michigan survey longer-term five-year expectations, which had really moved up a lot and when we came into the week the michigan survey had moved down a lot we were forecasting a moderation and so i was saying one could argue maybe the fed only needs to go 50. well you know the inflation report we got actually poured a lot of cold water on that and people started flirting with the idea of a hundred i think that got pulled back based on um some comments from the fed and particularly from the hawkish wing suggesting we don't need to do a, a hundred, but, uh, also, I mean, the, the retail sales, um, numbers were, y- you know, arguably a bit disappointing, uh, as well. So well,
0: let me jump in here. I think one of the kind of the interesting dynamics to key off something you just mentioned is we did get the Michigan preliminary July report today. And it did, um, it did show that, um, the five year, uh, uh, Forward inflation expectations actually went fully back down to where it was before the, the run-up. It's back down to 2.8. Um, and, you know, I think you take that together with the market compensation pricing, and you can say the Fed is not, I think, um, under an unusual challenge here to its credibility, medium-term credibility, even though the inflation print is high. Uh, so I think that does take some and of the it, pre- And
1: it knows the reason it's gaining that credibility is by being as hawkish as it is. So there's a there's a bit of a dance there, right? Well, no, I think it
0: has to validate what the market right. is, is pricing. But I think in on top of that, of course, the idea that when you look at the inflation readings this week with the breath, uh that's playing out in core goods and core services, leaving aside even food, which is also, I think, of some significance there. Um, you can certainly make the cases we have that there's something shifting in the inflation process, um, even if the Fed's credibility on the medium term isn't being challenged. And I think that's the concern you have is, as you say, that the Fed has to validate that by, if not moving uh, more quickly, but by by signaling that it's willing to move further. And that, I think, is where we stand here. They may not move more quickly uh, by delivering more than a, Uh, 75 basis point move uh, in July, but they will deliver a 75 basis point move in July. And they're going to have to back that up with a commitment to keep going. Uh, Just another thing in that context is we did get the Atlanta Fed wage numbers and that it's sending a very different signal than the average hourly earnings numbers, which have started to to moderate. It's accelerating uh, and accelerating pretty rapidly here and raising the concern that it's both price and wage setting dynamics that is uh, shifting here, so my with sense that, is
1: my 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 gut is telling me that in, inflation is going to roll over here, and I mean maybe that's not too hard a to call. And the question is, how much does it roll over? But I think you're going to start to see some, maybe some downside surprises in the sense that, um, you know, clearly the oil stuff. Uh, you know, just a, a steadying out in oil prices, I think dipped below a hundred. Uh, you're seeing the the crack spread, which was a real source of concern, that has come off. We're not out of the woods yet, but it's it's, it's come off. Um, you know, we can talk about natural gas in a in a minute in terms of Europe. That's a that's certainly a source of concern in terms of uh, what's happening with Russia. But food, we've been talking about food prices uh, coming off with ag prices coming down. I think on our EM team has been pointing out that's going to roll over pretty pretty sharply uh and in a world we're talking about the
0: us we have to keep remembering that americans don't eat food right um, well i i I agree but but joe i I think i mean let let's be careful here because i don't think there's any doubt that inflation isn't going to stay nine percent which is the year ago reading that we're at now i don't think there's any doubt that um gasoline prices will be softer in July and maybe July into August after having had the run-up. But you're starting from a much higher pace around mid-year, even building in what the gasoline futures prices are expecting. We're now looking for something around 7% annualized in the third quarter. Three months ago, uh, we were looking for that number to be closer to 3%. Um, And the issue I don't think is whether inflation is gonna come down, but whether it's gonna come down to a level that the Fed. Yeah, I totally that's, that's
1: what I was I was saying that. And I, I totally agree. I'm mean, and what I'm saying is that I think it there's a reasonable case that could be made that it is gonna come down more than even what's in our expectations. And the the, the big kicker that I wanted to add, because I think it's the core that matters here, um, is that in a after what six months of pretty darn soft growth, and we're looking for even continued soft growth through the through the second half of the year, have to think some of that is going to be disinflationary, um, and it obviously hasn't happened yet. We keep getting upside surprises, but you know, let's not forget that you know the U.S. economy arguably could have completely stalled in the first half of the year. That's a pretty far below potential growth outcome. Um, and you know, so that 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 would be the case to be made with the volatiles, you know, coming off. And as you said, that's an easy call. That's a layup, maybe not as much as we had thought, but it's gonna come off. And then this core, which has just been kind of pernicious and surprising, maybe you finally do start to see with weak growth. I I that you know, it's a bit of a Pyrrhic victory, but with the weak growth we're getting, that finally breaks the back of of consumption and that allows the Fed to maybe not hike as aggressively. And to be fair, some of that dynamic is in our forecast. That's why we don't have the Fed hiking as much as the market.
0: I mean, in the end of the day, the numbers matter. If we're coming off to 0.3, 0.4s, it's not easy to take the pressure of the Fed off. If you're coming down to 0.1s, 0.2s, that's obviously a different story. So if we're saying you're going to come down and run 04 force here uh, for a while, uh, yeah, that may mean the Fed doesn't have to get to 5% on policy rates, but it's hard for them, I think, to stop until till you get to numbers where, at least in their mind, we're starting to slide below a 3% annualized rate. Yeah, I mean, and, I think that's... I
1: mean, what you and I are kind of maybe talking across purposes here is I'm trying to... I'm I'm trying to talk away from a Fed that's going to need to hike to you know four five percent, right? And you know the 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 kind of Old Testament Fed, right? In other words, what our what our baseline forecast is is that the soft patch we're going to go through here takes enough steam out of the economy over the next six months that the Fed can get just a bit above neutral, uh, and then kind of get that soft landing scenario. Um, maybe right. I mean, that's all two, I'm doing. You know, I think
0: when we talk about a soft landing, there's two separate points. One is whether you can get growth to slow uh, and inflation to start to move down. And I think those are likely to happen. The other is whether you can get it to slow enough and get inflation to slow enough so that you actually land uh, and stay there. And I'm, you know, I have serious questions about that point absent an actual recession. Uh, and we'll see we can um obviously, I mean one thing that you his... get
1: across all those scenarios, I think we we kind of made the the funny quip in the data watch last week that you're gonna get in disinflation one way or another <laughs> right it's it's gonna come it's either gonna come with pain or it's gonna be well it's know... gonna come with pain in one way or another
0: as well. It's how much pain yeah uh, but let's let's swing since we used a lot of time here already just for a couple of minutes on China. China raises some interesting questions as it's moving in a very different direction than we think the US and western Europe is right now so what's what's the message there
1: well it's 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 really kind of mixed and choppy i think the message on net is is generally positive and and constructive with a couple kind of dark uh, dark clouds over it. So there's a lot of two-handed economists in that statement there. <laughs> uh, you know, I obviously the last quarter fell and it fell a lot more than we had expected. We were looking for it to be down about five and a half. It ended up being down close to, I think close to nine percent quarter on quarter uh, annualized um and that will show through we revised up our our figures in the second half but not to offset the disappointment so q4 q4 the level of gdp is lower by the end of the year so that that should be a sobering statement. Uh, however, the momentum that we're seeing is is quite strong. Uh, industrial production is bouncing back very strongly. That was the number that I said I wanted to look at the most last week when we were talking. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I said we were going to, I took the over on the number. Uh, kudos to the China team. It came out about in line with what they were expecting. I had thought with the PMI report and with the reopening dynamics, which are just so much stronger than we always expect, you'd get more we didn't. We got a very strong number, uh, but not as much as we had thought. But that momentum is good. Retail sales is what really hit it out of the park, right? That was really surged strongly. So there was some of your reopening dynamics. That's all very positive, put setting you up for the for the for uh, a very strong um, third quarter, which we revised up. Another reason we revised up, and again, more in the positive camp, is that policy, which has kind of been underwhelming us for the past year slowly incrementally getting stronger in response to bad data seeming somewhat reactive instead is really uh starting to to kind of ramp up quickly here and and the credit numbers we got this week the total social financing numbers were much stronger than we expected and we revised up our year forecast you're seeing kind of you know new policy measures that we think ultimately will be a source of lift as we move through the um uh second half of the year so i think That all of that reopening dynamic policy support leaves us more constructive. The two things I think we have to worry about on China, the dark clouds are the one we know about, which is potential for covid in a zero covid policy regime. Cases are kind of creeping back up and even a small number of cases can do a lot of damage in China. So that has us worried the new worry on the scene is this talk of a of a mortgage payment strike happening among these these households who put down payments on homes that haven't been built yet, but they still have to pay mortgages uh on this, and they're saying no more you're not delivering the homes and we're not going to pay these mortgages. That could feed back onto kind of financial stress in the banking sector, which of course then spills out more broadly to the economy and that's a a new threat that I think uh, we hadn't you know wasn't in our in our radar screen and it is now
0: that dynamic and and threat um aside I think we should just ponder for a second the issue of we've got a U.S. economy forecasted to grow 1% for the next couple quarters, and we've got the China economy now forecasted to grow uh, something close to 8%. And that dynamic, really the question is whether those two things can can stand alongside each other. Uh, And if they do, obviously, what does that actually mean for uh global performance we're not going to be able to spend too much time on that right now but
1: no but i would just say obviously and you know this you would contrast that with the first half when the global economy was growing i i don't know probably at least trend uh, it, well, maybe not trend but it, growing uh and china you know absolutely collapsed close to nine percent um and we scratched our heads at that and we worried about spillovers and i think we've been pleasantly surprised that we saw some spillover but not not really anything to worry about now we're bouncing back sharply so in other words china kind of fell in the woods and no one was really around to hear it and not much is happening and now they're rebounding and uh it's not having um you know a major global uh global impact it'll provide some lift to the region i think there are some bottleneck issues it's a little bit to be a little bit careful here.
0: China grew seven percent in the first quarter. I know it, it collapsed in the second quarter, so it was it was basically a small negative in the first half of the year the u s economy was basically flat in the first half of the year, so the gap there is not all that material
1: well um, yeah yeah, but you're being cute. I would say China grew five to six percentage points below its potential in the well first whatever
0: then 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 uh well fair enough but the 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 swing here towards what we're expecting is pretty dramatic and i'm not sure it's it's consistent that's the concern i have which we'll have to kind of see as we go through here whether the u.s can be as soft as we expect even if it doesn't fall into recession and china can be as strong for for this long we've also got this basically sustaining through the rest of the year but anyway we can we can spend the weekend thinking about this and then come back and argue L- let me ask you market.
1: this bruce do you, are you just coming back to the u.s and recession risk which is really probably the most important thing on everyone's mind uh we've been saying 40 percent um i think coming into this week i felt like it was more like 40 to 50 percent um and where do you feel like as you come out at the end of this this week and it's not just the data flow it's financial conditions it's uh the threats coming from oil it's um you know potentially nordstrom one natural gas we didn't talk about that but that's a concern in europe and how that feeds back i mean you know how are you netting all this out i think
0: um i'm kind of about where i was a week or two ago maybe low 40s i mean i, I find that precision a little bit uh, disingenuous but you know somewhat less than 50% but not not much um i i still think we're seeing resilience in the private sector um i still think we're seeing drags that are remaining intense here uh you know i mean you can you can flip it around i think last friday's payroll report and there are some some secondary issues there which you can raise some concern about but i think is a message of firms staying resilient. I think this week's inflation report as much as anything, um, you know, and on top of the purchasing power squeeze, is as you said, it's a concern because of what it may mean for the fed. I haven't really shifted much on net this week, um, but it's still elevated and it's still a very kind of, uh, I think immediate issue as to whether we slide in recession. I don't think people should consider. 372 on payrolls in the month of June as preventing you from being at negative 300 in September uh, this can move and it can move fast uh, the drags are, are substantial um, and the um, the time frame in which we're going to be tested here is really the next three to six months um, obviously what happens in the next three to six months will will reset our thinking about 2023 but we really have to focus on the the risk that things do slide and possibly break um over the next few months yeah, so we should just
1: say uh over the next 7 days we'll be getting some important markers right so next week's flash pmi's um you know probably will show a little bit more momentum loss we had that big upswing in China but the rest of the world kind of showed some momentum loss levels were still solid and you've been I think uh, a bigger proponent of that I've uh, been a little more focused on the momentum loss uh and we'll, no I'm focused
0: on the momentum loss too the, yeah uh,
1: fair enough uh, uh, um, uh so th- I think we'll keep an eye on that And then also, you and I were talking earlier, I mean, people should have on their calendars that this Nord Stream 1 maintenance shutdown, 10-day maintenance shutdown um, is a big event risk and next i think it's next thursday is when it's supposed to reopen and gas gas the
0: ecb meeting as we as we look for that yeah Yeah, exactly
1: um so i mean watching for the flows and how much you know energy is going to be weaponized by russia through this i think is uh is a big big concern so um you know keep an eye on that one along with the 25 basis point hike from uh, the ecb
0: Okay, well let's leave it there. We've gone on for a while. This might be our record, Joe, in terms of the length of these Friday calls. It's inflation. So, uh, <laughs> inflation. All that inflation. Yeah. All right. In Joe. real
1: terms, in real terms it hasn't gone okay, up. Okay,
0: <laughs> so we'll end it there. And thanks everybody. Hope we can continue this conversation next week on JP Morgan TV.